So we are in the middle of this very central chapter 37, and we're exploring this idea of the coming future where, remember we said in chapter 36 that the reason why Hashem created the world is because he wanted to have a dwelling place in the lowest realms, which means that there's an absolute truth here. The absolute truth is there's nothing else besides for Hashem. And then there are these lowest realms which hide this truth and do not manifest the truth that there's nothing else besides Hashem. And the purpose of creation is that even in a place where initially Hashem was not recognized, that place will actually announce that there is nothing else besides for Hashem. And that's the coming future. The coming future is a time where the essence of Hashem is going to be totally revealed. And it's going to be apparent that there's no other existence besides for Hashem in this physical world. Now, while we're very excited about it, it's not just something that's totally separate from what we're doing now. In fact, as we started to learn, we are actually creating that reality now, even though we don't see it. So right now, every time we do a mitzvah, we are drawing down divine energy into this world, into the physical things that we use for a mitzvah, into all of the reality that allows for the mitzvah. And by refraining from transgressing, we are making sure that we do not feed life energy from the negative forces. Because if God forbid we do that, we are hindering our animal soul, our vile soul from being able to fully ascend to Hashem. Because when we do a mitzvah, our vital soul totally unites with Hashem. But if it's stuck to negativity, there is a hindrance that keeps it back from totally uniting with Hashem. Now, while we talk about the vital soul getting energy from the three completely impure klipot, actually, if God forbid a Jew sins while they're feeding energy off the klipot, who's really feeding energy is the klipot are feeding energy off of them. Rabbi Steinsaltz gives an amazing analogy. He says, you know, we talk about, let's say, a person, God forbid, having influenza. It's not really a fight. He wouldn't call it a fight. Because while the person is battling the influenza, the influenza is not actually battling him. In fact, the influenza loves him in a perverted kind of way and needs him in order to get energy off of him. And that's what evil is. Evil, it's attracted to the person because otherwise it cannot exist. And it feeds energy off of the person. And then in return, it gives him back a smidgen of energy. The person thinks he's getting something from the evil, but he's the one who's feeding it the main energy. And then in return, he sucks life energy off of the evil. So we want to cut those ties. We want to make sure that the animal soul is not in any way attached to the klipa so that in its, in its totality, it can rise up and ascend and unite with Hashem. So here we are in the printed booklets. We're on page 10. So when this happens, that the entire Jewish people will have united their animal soul with Hashem, and we talked about that. Like, what do you mean the whole Jewish people? How is this ever going to be possible? We brought from the Rambam and Hilchis Teshuva, the laws of Teshuva. He brings a statement showing how the Torah clearly promises that that's going to happen. And I'll read it to you again so we have it in our mind. He says like this. The Torah has already promised that ultimately Israel will repent towards the end of her exile and immediately she will be redeemed. 
as the Torah states, there shall come a time when you will experience all these things and you will return to God, your Lord. God, your Lord will bring back your captivity and have mercy upon you. He will once again gather you from among the nations where God, your Lord has scattered you. So the Torah promised that all the Jewish people are going to do Teshuva and immediately they're going to be redeemed. This is something that can happen in an instant. And in fact, we're supposed to await for that every single day for that reality. So when all of the vital souls of the whole community of Israel then ascends to Hashem, what happens? Once the totality of the vital soul of the community of Israel will become a holy chariot for God. Azai gam klolos hachayas shel elam hazeh shehi klipas nega achshav tete az mitum asa vechal asa vesala lekedusha. Then also the general vitality of this world, which now consists of klipat noga, will also emerge from its impurity and sickness. The term impurity refers to the evil of the klipa. Sickness refers to the element of good that klipa noga contains, which is nevertheless the good, good of klipa, not holiness, and will ascend to holiness. So, as we're going to learn coming up, the vitality of the entire world depends on the Jewish people. And so when the vital souls of the community of Israel all ascends to holiness, what's going to happen? The energy of the entire world is going to ascend to holiness. When every single Jewish vital soul ascends to holiness, all those vital souls together will become a chariot for Hashem. When all the Jewish vital souls together become this chariot for Hashem, then the life energy of this world will become a chariot for Hashem, expressing this truth that there's nothing else besides Him. Where does the world get its vital energy from? Well, right now, as we learn, physicality gets its energy from klipat noga. Klipat noga is that intermediate klipa, which is as if neutral, doesn't seem to be good or bad, but it hides the divine. A Jewish person using that energy in serving Hashem then elevates the klipat noga to holiness. So when the Jewish people do their job in elevating their animal soul, their body, and everything in the world to Hashem, as their souls become elevated, the whole world becomes elevated. And this Klipat Nobogal will leave its state of filth. And here they say like this, they're translating it as sickness. If you look at Rosh on Yecheskel, where it says, let its be consumed. Rashi explains Zuhamasa, it's filth. It's another way of saying filth. So the literal way of translating it is, at that time, when all the vital souls ascend to holiness, then the general vitality of this world, which is currently Klipat Noga, will also ascend to holiness, leaving its impurity and filth. But Chela also means sickness. So Hasidic scholars point out, as they indicate here, that the goodness of Klipat Noga is called sickness. Because the impurity of Klipat Noga, the bad of it, that's impurity. But the good of Klipat Noga is not completely pure. It's not like the purity of the divine soul. When Mashiach comes, when the vitality of all Klipat Noga ascends to become holy, then the goodness of Klipat Noga too will have a refinement and it will be healed of its sickness and become holy. Lihiyais Merkava Lahashem, to become a chariot for God. 
upon the revelation of his glory in the world to come. And now the Alter Rebbe is going to bring amazing Pesukim from the Torah teachings of Chazal that illustrate this time. That there's going to come a time when the entire world is going to announce the glory of Hashem, is going to experience His glory. It's, his essence is going to be shining here, and it's not just going to be shining over the Jewish people. The entire world will experience this truth, that there's nothing else besides Hashem. And these are the Pesukim that he brings. Here's from Yeshaya. Viro kol basar yachtav, then all flesh will behold godliness together. At that time, it says, Viro kol basar yachtav kipi Hashem diber. At that time, all flesh together will see that the mouth of Hashem has spoken. Literally, this means, I'm telling you these prophecies now about what's going to be at the coming future. When these come to pass, you will see then that it was God's mouth that spoke. Hashem said these prophecies. On a deeper level, mystically, it means that all flesh will actually behold the divine. There's going to be a difference between the, the way the Jewish people perceive the divine and the way the non-Jewish people perceive the divine. But everybody is going to have certainty and clear vision that there's nothing else besides Hashem. When it comes to the non-Jewish people, they will be so sure of it, just like they're sure that they have a life force within them. When it comes to the Jewish people, they're actually going to experience it with physical vision. As we see from the prophecies, even at that time where all of mankind is going to know Hashem, there's still going to be a distinction between the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. For example, it says, zarim Strangers will stand up and pasture your sheep. Obviously, there's a difference between the Jewish people and the rest of the world. Or similarly, it says, that means that kings will be your foster fathers, your nursing fathers, and their princesses will be your wet nurses. Again, there's a difference between the Jewish people and the rest of the world. But at that time, when all of Klipat Noga will ascend to become a chariot for Hashem, will ascend to holiness, all of mankind is going to experience this reality. All flesh will see together. And he will appear over them with the majestic beauty of his power. And this comes from the Rosh Hashanah prayers. In the Rosh Hashanah prayers, we say, And reveal yourself in the majesty of your glorious might over all the inhabitants of your terrestrial world. That means not just over the Jewish people. All of mankind should experience your glory. Again, this is a condition that's going to be across the globe. Everybody's going to recognize Hashem. And the glory of God will fill the whole world. Israel will see eye to eye. The human eye will see the truth of godliness just as the supernal eye sees it. Just as they saw it at the giving of the Torah. So at the giving of the Torah, like we learned earlier, there was a total revelation and the Jewish people actually experienced the divine. They were actually able to perceive with their physical eyes the truth that there's nothing else besides Hashem. Normally this world hides that truth. Normally we look at the world, we don't see that there's nothing else besides Hashem. When Hashem gave the Torah, this truth was clearly apparent. And that's what's going to happen in the time to come. The difference is, of course, that at Matan Torah, this was a revelation from above. Hashem came and revealed himself. The world was not yet a vessel for that. 
of their own characteristic, of their own nature, of their own capabilities, they were not able to perceive this truth, but Hashem appeared to them and therefore they were able to perceive it. That's not the culmination of Hashem's dream. Hashem's passion, Hashem's vision, Hashem's desire in creating this world was so that the lowest realms will create the home for him. Not that he would create this home for himself. Matan Torah as if it was him creating the home. That's not the ultimate. In the coming future, us creatures of the lowest realms will have created this home for him by recognizing him, by doing his mitzvot, by drawing down divine energy into this world. We will have created this abode for him. We would have refined ourselves, our animal souls, our bodies, the world, so that the world itself becomes a vessel. And at that point of its own nature, of its own characteristics and qualities, it will be able to perceive the divine physically. It's going to be just like the nature of the eye is to see physical things. The nature of the Jewish eye at that time will be to perceive the divine physically. That's what's going to happen in the coming future. Of which it is written, and I'm going to translate it differently than how they translated in the booklet. Bear with me and then I'll tell you why afterwards, okay? For of which it is written, you have shown yourself to know that God is the Lord. There is nothing else besides him. The way they're translating in the booklet is according to a deep mystical interpretation. And it's 100% true. But according to the class that we're learning now, it's easier for us to translate it in this simple way. And that is, you have been shown to know at that time of Matan Torah, you clearly were able to see the truth that there is nothing else besides for Hashem. Okay, so we said like this. At that time, when the vital soul of every Jewish person will be elevated to holiness, that means the entire vitality of this world will be elevated to holiness and the divine manifestation will be everywhere. But one second, not the whole world is klipat noga. Not the whole world is rectifiable. There's a part of the world that is not rectifiable. Didn't we learn about that? That's the part of the world that we're trying to disconnect our vital soul from. We want to make sure that we have no attachment or relationship to the three completely impure klipot. What's going to be with that part of the world? When Mashiach comes. For Al Yedeze, Yisbalu Vizbatu Lagamri, Kol Hashalish Klipais Hatmeis. Through this ascent of Klipat Noga to holiness, the three unclean Klipot will be utterly annihilated and nullified. So when it comes to Klipat Noga, it's going to ascend to holiness. It will be refined. It will be elevated. It will no longer be Klipa, Klipa meaning a shell, something that hides the truth. It will then become holy. It will be a chariot for Hashem. When it comes to the three completely impure Klipot, it will be, they will be completely annihilated and obliterated. How? Ki yini kasan vechayusan mehakdusha achshav. For the nurture and vitality which they now receive from holiness comes to them only by way of Klipat Noga, the intermediary between them. Klipat Noga, containing both good and evil, is the medium through which these Klipot, which are completely evil, receive their vitality from godliness, which is completely good. When Klipat Noga ascends to holiness, the impure Klipot, no longer having any access to godly vitality, cease to exist. So you see what's happening over here? These 
total corruption, have no relationship whatsoever to holiness and to the divine. But the only source of life is holiness and divine. How do they continue to exist? Because there's a middleman. It's called Klipat Noga. Klipat Noga is the interpreter. It has some holiness, so it has a relationship with holiness. It gets its energy from holiness. It has some evil, so it is able to interact with evil. And here the evil is feeding energy off this intermediary klipa. But if this intermediary klipa now ascends to holiness, klipa has the three completely impure klipot have no access. They cannot gain life. They just wither away and die. They've become isolated. Rabbi Steinsaltz gives an amazing analogy. He says... There's the underworld, right? The world of criminals and thieves. It's not a self-sustaining society. That kind of world cannot exist by itself. It needs some type of interaction, some type of communication, inter-exchange influence from the world of legitimate commerce and social interaction, the world of morality. That's where the middlemen come in, the people who buy from the thieves and sell to the legitimate crowd. When those middlemen are taken out of the picture, the underworld implodes. It cannot exist. It has no way of getting energy. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the time to come. At that time, Klipat Noga is going to be elevated to holiness. It's going to become a chariot for Hashem. No more evil in it. How will the three completely impure Klipot get their energy? They will not. They cannot access the holiness directly. And because they're middlemen, the little merchants in between have gone away, they now are obliterated. They've become completely annihilated. So now, knowing what we know, we come to understand what the Alter Rebbe told us at the beginning of the chapter. He said that that time, that coming future, the days of Mashiach, the resurrection of the dead, depends on our actions now. Learning what we've learned, we've come to understand this. It follows, therefore, that the purpose of the Messianic era and of the resurrection, namely the revelation of his glory and divinity and the banishment of the spirit of impurity from the earth, is entirely dependent on our drawing down his godliness and the blessed Ainso flight upon all the 248 limbs of the vital soul of all of Israel. For by way of the vital soul, all the world will be suffused with godliness, and this is achieved by the vital soul's performance of all 248 positive mitzvot. So that time depends on our drawing down divine light through the positive mitzvot. And also, And this purpose is also dependent upon our banishing the spirit of impurity, meaning the three impure klipot, from the vital soul of all of Israel. For by being banished from the vital soul, the spirit of impurity is banished from the entire world. And this is accomplished by the vital soul's observance of all 365 prohibitive mitzvot, thus preventing its 365 blood vessels from drawing nurture from the spirit of impurity. So again, 
We're creating that future now. It depends on our actions now because by doing positive mitzvot, we draw down the light of the Ein Sof Hashem's divinity over the vital soul. We elevate it to holiness. And by refraining from doing any transgressions, we obliterate the impurity, not allowing them to get any nurture from the spirit of impurity. Now, if you look at this, you see the Alter Rebbe reversed things over here. In the beginning of the chapter, he said, he first talked about not transgressing, not attaching at all to, ne- to the spirit of impurity, to negativity. And then he talked about suffusing the vital soul with holiness by doing positive mitzvot. And we talked about the reason for that. We said the reason is you want to make a palace for the king? Sure. First, you have to clean up. You can't start arranging furniture when the place is a mess. So first, you have to make sure that there's no attachment to the other side. And then you work on suffusing everything with holiness. Here, the Alter Rebbe reversed the order. He first talks about doing the positive mitzvot by drawing down godliness over the vital soul, over everything that we use to serve Hashem. And then he talks about making sure that our vital soul is not in any way attached to the spirit of impurity. Why? So Hasidic scholars explain that with this, the Alter Rebbe comes to teach us a fundamental principle in serving Hashem. A person should never say, you know what? I have a long way to go. Let's be honest. There are so many misdeeds, God forbid, that I'm so used to doing. I better be realistic with myself. I'm going to start being spiritual now. Who do I think I am? I have to first make sure I'm not doing anything wrong. When I do X, Y, Z, all those mitzvahs that I still have to keep, when I do that, then I can try to be spiritual. Then I can try to pray better. Then I can try to learn more Torah. Then I could be kinder. All these things, they have to wait. I first have to get myself a little bit out of this place of negativity. That's not the way to do it. In fact, the Alter Rebbe in a mimer talks about the power of a mitzvah, that a little bit of light banishes so much of the darkness. And so, yes, a person has darkness. It's not okay. I'm going to say it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. But get busy with the light because the light banishes the darkness. A person should never say, wait till I'm on that level. And here's an amazing idea that the Rebbe teaches us. Recently, we've been learning in the Parsha about all the series of dreams. Exile started with a series of dreams. David HaMelech, King David, writes in Tehillim, Shir HaMalais B'Shuv HaShem Eshiva Siyayin Hayinu Kechomim, a song of ascents. When God returned, the returnees of Zion, we were like dreamers. Being in exile is a state of being in a dream. Exile was kicked off by dreams. Joseph had all these dreams, so his brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery and in, in Egypt itself, he interpreted the dreams of the prisoners in jail. He interpreted Paro's dreams. Exile is typified, characterized by dreams. What is a dream? If a person thinks about it enough during the day, during the night, you can even see an elephant going through the eye of a needle. Opposites can coexist. When we're in exile, a person on one hand can be totally on love in love, totally on fire with love for Hashem. And then the next minute, they're chasing after material pleasures. Are you normal? The same time? How is that possible? Normally, that wouldn't be possible. You're right. But right now, we're in a state of a dream. And because we're in a state of the dream, impossible opposites can coexist. So even though we're not perfect, 
yet we can go ahead and aspire to achieve the ultimate at the very same time, because that's the advantage of exile. When it was during the time of the temple, a person who was impure could not enter the holy temple. But when we're in exile, unfortunately, we're in exile. But in the state of exile, it says, Hashem dwells in their midst among their impurity. Even though we're in a state of impurity, Hashem still dwells with us. And the Rebbe speaks about the things that we can learn, even though we're not perfect yet. In the times of the temple, who would be able to study what we're studying now? The secrets of the Torah. Somebody who was well-versed in all aspects of the Torah, refine their personalities, and then they could study this. In the time of exile, the Rebbe quotes from the Talmud, Grab and eat, grab and drink. Whatever mitzvah opportunity, whatever opportunity of holiness comes your way, go for it, grab it. You get to study Tanya, grab it. You're not perfect yet? Doesn't matter. We can do everything at the same time. So yes, True, we need to be totally separated from the side of impurity. We should never, ever sin. But that should not come in the way of us continuing to do good. And that's why the order is reversed over here. Yes, in the perfect state of things, we would have been totally separated from anything negative, And we would only be drawing down the positive into this world. But the fact is, we're not perfect yet. And that should never come in the way of us continuing to aspire to be holier and holier still. So now we're talking about suffusing the vital soul of the Ein Sof light, banishing the impure kipot of the soul. How does that change the whole world? Why is it that suffusing the vital soul with the Ein Sof light and banishing the impure kipot from the vital soul produces a parallel effect on the entire world? I get it. We're all working on ourselves. We're all trying to make sure that we suffuse our vital souls with the light of Hashem by doing his mitzvot, that we banish the impurity by staying away from evil. How does that transform the whole world? Okay, you ready for this? This is going to be one of the most perspective-changing ideas that you will ever learn. Ki klalas Yisrael, shehem shishim ribay neshames pratyais, for the community of Israel, comprising of 600,000 particular souls, is the general source of vitality for the world as a whole, since the world was created for the sake of these souls. So to say it in a nutshell, and then to amplify and expand this idea. The Jewish people is the source of vitality for the whole world. Look at your body. Your soul is energy central, life central for the, rest of the, for the rest of the body. And that's where vitality spreads to the rest of the body. The word Yisrael comprises of two words with some rearranging of the letters. Li Rosh, a head for me. The Jewish people is the nucleus of life energy for the world because the world was created for their sake. If you look at the first verse of the Torah, it says, In the beginning of God's creating the heaven and the earth. Bereshis, the word Bereshis, our sages explained, stands for Bez Rashis, Bishfil Rashis, for the sake of Rashis, two things that are called Rashis. That is the reason why the world was created. 
The Navi Yirmiyahu says, Kaidish Yisrael Hashem The Jewish people are holy to Hashem. They are racious. They are the first of his produce. Shlomo HaMelech talks about, calls the Torah racious darko, the beginning of his way. So Torah is called racious. The Jewish people are called racious. This is the reason why the world was created. Now, in a talk that the Rebbe gave, very deep talk about how actually the life energy of the idea that Haman is cursed is from Mordechai is blessed. And instead of going into that topic right now, because it's not for today, let's just take the seed idea. And he says like this, the purpose, the supernal reason why anything was created is its life force. What does that mean? Everything in the world that is here was obviously created for a purpose. Nothing exists without out having some reason to exist. Some supernal reason why this thing is here. So what brings anything into existence? It's the reason why it exists. The reason why something exists, the purpose for which it is created is then the life energy of that thing. It's what brings that thing into existence and maintains its existence. Why was the world created? The world was created for the sake of the Jewish people, for the sake of the Torah. That means if that is the reason why it was created, then what brings the world into existence and maintains its existence are the Jewish souls and their journey in fulfilling Torah and mitzvot. So these 600,000 general souls of Israel are the life energy of this world. The whole world gets its life energy from the Jewish soul. Divine energy is channeled to the Jewish soul and is then from there spread out to the rest of the world. The worlds, all the worlds in Seder Hishdalshalis represent the external space of Hashem with the worlds. The soul represents the inner space of that relationship. In every single world, there's another level of soul, and that is the life force, the inner space of the relationship of Hashem and the world. Unbelievable. V'chol prat mehem hu kailel v'shayach loi ha'chayos shel chelek echad mishishim ribay miklolos ha'aylam. Each specific one of them contains, and to each is related, the vitality of one 600,000th part of the entire world, this part of the world depends on his vital soul for its elevation to God through the vital soul's own elevation. Okay, so here's what a person has to elevate. They need to elevate their animal soul. They need to elevate their body. And then they need to elevate. There's a part of the world that was created from the very outset, when Hashem created it, He created it just for you. The only reason why that part of the world exists is to support your journey in Torah and mitzvot. That's the reason why it was created. It depends on you. When each of us study Torah, when each of us do mitzvot, when we draw down divine energy upon our vital soul, what we're doing is, we are drawing divine energy on everything that brought us to that place. Remember, we talked about the food that we eat, the drinks that we drink, the chairs that we sit on, 
the house that we live in, anything that created all those things so we can use them, a whole chain of things in this world are created from the very outset, right from the get-go, just for us. The reason why they were created is to support our journey in Torah and Mitzvot. When we use this part of the world, we are elevating our portion of the world to Hashem. And it happens automatically. Just by us keeping Torah and Mitzvot, that part of the world gets elevated with our animal soul. All those things that we use drag with an entire world with it, with them. Kigayin. Achila, Ushasiyah, Vedaimehem, Vedira, Vachol, Klei Tashmisha. For example, eating, drinking, and the like, one's dwelling and all his utensils, all of that gets elevated to Hashem. Now, this is actually a very life-changing perspective because like a person can think like this. Okay, what was the reason why I was created? I was created to serve Hashem by doing Torah and mitzvot. So why do I have to engage with, engage with the physical world? What's the point of eating and drinking? Well, Hashem decided that the mission of the soul will be fulfilled in a physical body. So I don't have a choice. In order to do my mission, in order to maintain existence, I have to eat, I have to drink, I have to engage with the physical world. I would rather not have to, but I have no choice, so I do. It would be much, much better if I could just live a spiritual life, totally detached from anything physical, if I didn't have to eat or drink, that would be marvelous. And this way I could just stay focused on Torah and mitzvot. But now we understand, no, that's not what it's about. There's a reason why we're so vulnerable. Why do we depend on eating and drinking? Why do we have to live in a house? Why do we need all these things? We're so physically needy. Why do we need all of that? Because we have so much to elevate. Hashem created the world in a way where we're forced to engage. We have to. There's no such thing as living an isolated life. Even if a person wants to be an angel, if they want to exist in a physical body and live a spiritual life, they still have to engage on some level with the physical. That was by design. We are meant to. We are meant to engage with the physical world because there's a part of the world that's ours to elevate. And anytime we encounter a situation, we have to see it like this. I'm here to elevate it to Hashem. But surely there are more than 600,000 souls. Besides, it is quite impossible for one person to use a 600,000th of the entire world. So we're talking about 600,000 souls. Thank God there are so many more than 600,000 Jewish people. So how do we understand this? And besides, if each of us is meant to elevate one 600th power of the world, that's a lot. So the altar explains like this. These 600,000 particular souls, however, are roots, and like a root from which grows numerous branches, each root soul subdivides into 600,000 sparks, each spark being one neshama. So yes, there are 600,000 general souls. But each of these general souls are a root. And from this root, spark 600,000 sparks. And these become particular souls. Rabbi Steinzal says something very interesting. Sometimes you'll meet somebody and you'll just feel an inexplicable closeness to them. You don't have family ties. You have very different backgrounds, different education, different talents. And yet you feel really close. And he said it could be that you're sparks from the same soul. And so you feel this inexplicable closeness.
So the number becomes way more vast because it's not just 600,000 times 600,000. We're going to see that it's Benefesh Veruach, so it's it's three levels of 600,000, and then it's in four worlds of 600,000. I did the math on my computer, and hopefully it came out right, but let me read you these numbers, okay? There's 600,000 times 600,000, meaning the 600,000 general souls, which are sub subdivided into 600,000 sparks. That comes out to 360 billion, okay? Now, this figure of 360 billion then gets multiplied by three because we're talking about three different levels of soul. So, nefesh, ruach, neshama, and this number equals 1 trillion, 80 billion. And then this figure gets multiplied by four because of the four worlds, and that amounts to 4 trillion, 320 billion. So, hopefully, the way I did my numbers are correct, but whatever the number is, it is an astounding figure. The Rebbe comments on that and says, even if we look at all the souls that came down throughout the generations, we don't encounter that many Jewish people yet. So where are all these sparks? And he references a story from the Midrash. Rabbi Yehoda Hanasi was once teaching his class, and he noticed that some of his students were not quite that alert. Maybe they were falling asleep. So he presented them with a riddle. He said, we know that when the Jews were in Egypt, mothers were giving birth to six babies at a time. But there was actually a woman who gave birth to 600,000 babies at one time. Does anybody know her name? And the students are like, no. <laughs> and he says, it is Yocheved, the mother of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe was the equivalent of the Jewish people who at that, that time, the males between 20 and 60 were 600,000. So he was equivalent to 600,000 people. And in giving birth to Moshe, Yocheved, as if, gave birth to 600,000 people at one time. But it actually means that Moshe's soul had 600,000 sparks. And there are individuals who come down with more than one spark, some of them as many as 600,000 at a time. So it doesn't have to be six, this astounding number of people. It's just this astounding number of sparks and sometimes more than one spark come to be in one person. So we're looking at this now astounding number and it's these 600,000 root souls which subdivide into 600,000 sparks and of one neshama. Similarly with the nefesh and ruach. So Let's visit an idea so we understand it better. We all talk about our divine soul, but actually there's five levels of our divine soul. They are nefesh, ruach, neshama, chaya, yechida. Kabbalah gives the analogy of a glass blower. There is a glass blower, and he, in his psyche, decides that he's going to make a vessel, a glass vessel. So look at him now. He's sitting there about to blow with the wind still in his lungs. Now he takes the pipe and he blows down the pipe into this lump of glass, which becomes to be a vessel. And his air comes to rest at the bottom of the vessel. Now let's look at all these levels. The air that comes to rest at the bottom of the vessel is called nefesh which means rest. As in we say about Hashem that he rested on the seventh day, vayina fash, and he rested. For somebody, for somebody to be in tune to that level of the soul means 
that he is in tune to the fact that the physical body is a receptacle to divinity. And he does this by tuning out the distraction of the material world and tuning into the divinity of his soul. That's the level of lowest level of the soul, and that's the level of nefesh. If anybody of us were to live with that consciousness, we would be on a very high level. Being able to tune out the material distractions, tune into the fact that the body and our existence is really a receptacle to the divine. That's the level of nefesh. That's the interface of the soul and the body. Then there's a level higher than that. Feel the pressurized wind coming down the glass blowing tube. That's the level of ruach, wind. It is not just a level of tuning out distractions. It's a level of becoming aware of the divine. It's a level of emotions. If a person is in tune to the level of ruach in his neshama, then at its highest level, he gets ruach hakaidesh, divine inspiration. This is already feeling the divinity. This is already a, a tumultuous experience. It's not just resting. It's not just tuning out. And there's a level higher than that. And that is neshama. Neshama comes from the word neshima. Neshima is a breath. It's not just feeling a wind. There is an intimacy in feeling breath, the source of the wind. And somebody who lives at this level of neshama has a deep awareness of the source of it all, a deep awareness of the divine. And this is really the highest level that we can reach being in a physical body. These are what we call pnimim, internalizations of the soul. Only three levels of the soul are able to be internalized now in this world. Higher than that is the level of chaya. Chaya is life. And that is where the wind is still within the glass blower's lungs. That is a place where we are already one with Hashem. And higher than that is Yechida, which comes from the word Echad, Yechid, oneness, uniqueness. That's where we're totally one with Hashem, still in his decision to blow. In his decision to blow, that's the unity of Yechida. In this world right now, we are not able to access these levels. If somebody were to access these levels, they would lose their individuality. Our soul wishes to lose its individuality. That's what we learned in chapter 19, where the candle is constantly trying to escape the wick. It wants to be united with its source in the sublunar sphere, even though it's going to lose its individuality. The soul too wants it just doesn't matter that it's going to lose its individuality, just wants to melt away in Hashem. In the coming future, though, we are going to be able to internalize these highest levels. Rav used to say, like Ailam Haza, Ailam Haba, this world is not like the next world. In the coming world, in that coming future, it's going to be like kinav, like sinav, like sacharos. There's not going to be jealousy. There's not going to be hatred. There's not going to be competition. What's it going to be? It's going to be tzaddikim yashvim. The tzaddikim are sitting. Their crowns will be in their heads. They're going to bask. They're going to take pleasure in the radiance of the shechina. Right now, these levels that we don't have internal access to are called makifim, surrounding. They're like a crown that surrounds the head. We cannot internalize them. But in the coming future, it's not going to be the crowns on the head. It's going to be the crowns in the head. 
We are going to be able to internalize these highest levels of oneness with Hashem and still maintain our individuality. So we only reference three levels of soul here because these are the three levels that are actually internal within the body. They are nefesh, ruach, and neshama. And even though every single soul has all five levels, but there is a certain grade of souls. So for example, there is a whole class of souls that are called nefesh. Each of those souls called nefesh have all five levels, but they are in a low level or the, a lower level of nefesh. And then still higher, there's ruach, a class of souls from the level of ruach. They too have five levels, but they are the souls of Ruach. And higher than that are the levels of Neshama. They also have five levels, but these are general, a class, class of Neshama. So instead of going on, because there's so much to say, but it's already time for questions and discussion, let me sum up what we said until now. We're talking about how when all the Jewish people elevate their vital soul to Hashem, then the life energy of the entire world is going to be elevated to Hashem, becoming a chariot for him like the collective vital souls of all of Israel. Collective vital souls of all of Israel become a chariot for him. The collective life energy, which currently comes from Klipat Noga of the world, will be elevated to holiness and will become a chariot for Hashem. And one of those three completely impure Klipot, they're going to be obliterated, annihilated, because once Klipat Noga ascends to holiness, they no longer have any access to life energy, and they will become obsolete, not exist anymore. Now, how does it happen that through us elevating our vital soul to Hashem, we elevate the whole world to Hashem? Because the Jewish soul is the life energy of the whole world. The world was created for their sake. And each part of the world is connected to a particular soul. And when a Jewish person elevates his animal soul, he elevates to that part of the world that was created just to support his journey in Torah and mitzvot. Now, how is it possible 600,000 sparks? There's so many more Jews. Well, actually, we learn that that 600,000 is a general number, which becomes an astounding figure. And there's so many levels. And as we'll see, they're in four worlds. And uh, next week, we are going to visit the reason why the soul came down to be in this world. So I'm opening up now for questions and discussion.